0: Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon and this week is December 6th through 12th and we are going to be talking about the Articles of Faith and the Official Declarations 1 and 2. Now the Official Declarations talk about polygamy and race in the priesthood in the history of the church. So if you want to receive your Come Follow Me lesson in a different medium other than video, I post the same exact lesson in my blog and my podcast podcast and I'll post information about that in the description below the video. So, really quickly before I jump in, if you have been with my channel for a little bit, I use a lot of examples about my kids and my husband, my family, I use a lot of parenting examples. And I bring this up because I know that there are many out there who have felt excluded in the past or who feel like they don't necessarily belong in the church because they aren't married or they don't have kids. I also know that some may feel like they belong plenty in the church, but it is still very painful. I try to be conscious of that, but I continue to use these stories for two reasons. One, because it's what I know. It's something that surrounds me every day. It's something that has helped me better understand my relationship with Heavenly Father. I also use it because I very deeply sincerely sincerely believe that anyone can be a parent regardless of whether you have born children or whether you're married to someone who has given birth to children we can all be parents some of the most significant spiritual lessons i've learned about my father-daughter relationship with my heavenly father or some of the best lessons i've learned about being a mother have been living with my sister helping her watch her eight children and then also being on my mission so I taught a lot of young single adults and I felt in many ways that I mothered a lot of them. (laughs) And I just loved them and wanted to nurture them so much. Parenting is so much bigger than just bearing children, so much bigger. I know plenty of people who have born children and are not parents. Parenting is so much more encompassing than that. So now jumping into what we're talking about this week. This week is gonna be a little bit interesting. I am not going to be so much focused on the Articles of Faith, but more on the official declarations. However, I'm not going to be quoting from them or even necessarily talking directly about polygamy or race in the priesthood. What I really want this video to be about is how to approach difficult topics in the church. And I like this approach that I'm taking this, Taking for this video because race in the priesthood and polygamy are both difficult topics for many people, but there are a lot of difficult topics for a lot of different people within the church. And so there's principles that we can take from this that we can apply to many, many different situations, right? So how do we approach? How do we approach these things that are more uncomfortable for different people in the church, right? Now, there's plenty of doctrine and plenty of principles out there that we can talk about. But despite that doctrine, and despite those principles, these topics remain painful for a lot of people. And I validate that, right? (laughs) I 100% believe that this can be really painful for some people, right? This idea of polygamy and race in the priesthood and, and many other topics that are found within the church. And it's been intimidating trying to write about it and now trying to talk about it in a video because I have very 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 few experiences with the idea of prejudice. I've been really extremely blessed that way to have felt very respected in my relationships growing up and with my husband with my family and so while writing this I was often asking myself who am I to tell these people that they're gonna be fine and it's all gonna work out, right? So how do we approach this, right? If it is not something that we've struggled with, how do we approach those we love who do struggle with it? Or how do we approach it if it is something that is painful for us? A couple of principles. First one, having faith. Now, this phrase, it's often used in our society <laughs> a lot in our our culture <laughs> of the church this idea of having faith and i feel like as we draw closer to the second coming that phrase becomes more and more of a taboo because it can feel condescending sometimes because a lot of these people who have these struggles have a lot of faith and they're trying so hard to be faithful and someone when we're just telling them to have faith like they don't already have it <laughs> it can feel condescending It can feel Like we ignored what they were trying to say or just passed over. It's just some convenient band-aid to put on people. It can feel frivolous. It can feel empty when we're using this phrase. However, as I say that, I also testify that having faith is such a big part of the answer. But let me elaborate on that. So if we choose to use that phrase, have faith. If that is something that we want to tell somebody that we love, or if we're even trying to tell it to ourselves in the mirror in the mornings, just to have faith and hold on, have faith, I feel like it needs to come with a couple of principles. First principle is we need to recognize who we're talking to, right? One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis talks about how if you were able to see the kind the people that you are really standing in front of, you would be tempted to bow down and worship them because they're so glorious, right? When you're talking to someone who's having these struggles, we have to believe in that person and remember who they are to believe that they're elect and to believe that they are putting their whole being into remaining faithful to our Heavenly Father and remaining loyal to Christ, despite the things that they're struggling with, right? I think it's really easy to subconsciously, and it's usually subconsciously, to subconsciously pass judgment on these people that they are less faithful for having these struggles and these questions. And that's simply not accurate. (laughs) Just because we don't necessarily personally struggle with some of these things does not equate to being more faithful. That is an inaccurate statement. (laughs) Because what takes more faith, holding on to something that's easy for you or holding on to something and trying to remain loyal when something is difficult for you? What requires more faith in Heavenly Father? And on the same note, perhaps you don't necessarily have these dots and questions, but we all have our struggles in the gospel, right? And there's not a lot of difference. If you really think about it, the idea of struggles and doubts and things that are really difficult with the history of the church, any of those things, they are all things that have the potential to hurt us spiritually and have the potential to make us grow spiritually, right? And we all, every last one of us, have our struggles when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father is more proud of those who are earnestly seeking and trying to figure this these things out, right? Who are trying to follow what feels like light and trying to follow and be loyal to their heavenly father in the midst of questions and in the midst of doubts. He is more proud of them than those who are looking down on them and thinking that they're just fine and they're more faithful, right? Christ spent more time with those who struggled with sin than with those who didn't realize that they were struggling with sin. In fact. I think when we have that kind of pride or when we compare ourselves like that, even if it's subconsciously, I feel like it can be far more damaging. It has the potential to be far more damaging than having these doubts and questions. Second principle, we can't just say have faith. (laughs) It is not sufficient, right? We have to teach faith and this begins way at a very young age before. We grow to be much older. It starts, honestly, it can start at any age, but it is best when it starts young. Faith comes from having your own experiences with your Heavenly Father. You want to try, whoever it is, whether they're young or old, you want to lead them to have personal experiences with their Heavenly Father. When my husband came to me and he had a big decision to make for our family and he wasn't allowed to share all of the details surrounding this decision with me because it, it had to do with other people, he was essentially asking me to have faith in him, right? And because I knew him and because I loved him and I knew how much he loves me and my family, and because I know that he has done a pretty dang good job of taking care of us and providing for us, it was easy to put place that faith in him. Even though not everything made sense and I didn't have all the answers, I wasn't afraid it was easy to have faith because i've had these experiences with my husband if someone if a stranger asked me to do that when a stranger might have been in charge of decisions regarding my family i would have scoffed right we have to lead people to have their own experiences with god so they can know god and they can trust him you can't it's really hard to have faith in someone you don't know and that you don't have personal experiences with it It would be crazy (laughs) to just gloss over hard, difficult topics like polygamy and race in the priesthood if you don't know who you're supposed to be trusting, if you have not had experiences with this being that we call God. Trust and faith are things that will naturally come with people who come to know God. We can't ask people we love to just have faith in someone that they don't have experiences with, with someone that they don't know. It's illogical, right? It's not wise. (laughs) Instead of trying to jump in and answer their questions with principles or doctrine that you have learned to trust or things that seem like really sound explanations to you, instead try to help them find their own answers instead of being like oh well this and this and this and this and this is why this happens and people are imperfect yada 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 right instead of doing that teach them to kneel down and to completely pour out their hearts right and to write down all their issues and then teach them how to find their own revelation right that is what is going to help them in the long in the long run it's the equivalent of teaching man to fish rather than just giving him fish People will be able to naturally develop faith. And if, and honestly, Heavenly Father has not given lots of answers, especially surrounding race in the priesthood. He's not given us a lot of information regarding what that was about, right? And so the odds of him coming and revealing everyone to everything to just anyone is pretty slim. (laughs) So maybe instead of that, Help them start with smaller questions. Help them start with questions like, do you love me? Do you love everybody? Is this still the true church? Was Joseph Smith actually a prophet? Is President Nelson a prophet? And have them receive the answers there. Because if they can receive it directly from God and they can have those personal experiences, they can feel that, you won't have to be telling them to have faith. They will feel it because they feel this loving, beautiful relationship with their Heavenly Father. Second principle for either helping ourselves or helping others, never use unlawful means, right? So in Doctrine and Covenants section 121, we learn that in order to utilize the priesthood to help others, we have to use it righteously or it doesn't work. (laughs) That means not using fear tactics, our manipulation in an attempt to get them to cling to the gospel. It means being very honest with them, very honest with the reality, very honest with ourselves. We can't use these other means in trying to convince them to stay and to hold on to the gospel. First of all, because it doesn't work, right? We have to use the the priesthood righteously because we desperately need that priesthood. As we get close to the second coming, it's just going to get harder to hold on and to have We need the Lord's power in our lives to help ourselves and to help others. There's no room for any of those other tactics. And I believe that using the priesthood righteously is something that occurs within our hearts. That is the main place where it occurs. So, when you're approaching someone and you're having conversations about difficult things, what is your purpose? Why are you really talking to them in that moment? Is it because you're afraid of your family looking less perfect? Is it uh, because it just makes it more difficult when people have questions and you kind of just want them to just smooth over it like other people do. Are you seeking to teach them in ways that make sense to you and seeking to teach them your answers? Or are you doing everything you can to sit with your Heavenly Father and learn about what they need? Because even though there is an overall explanation for these things, at least I personally believe that, even if there is an overall explanation for these things, the way that Heavenly Father is going to convey it to us is different because all of our the lens through which we look at life is so different. Another, I guess, more subtle tool that I I think we often use in the church is there are people who really, really love us, people who are struggling with these things and people who really, really love us and don't want to disappoint us. And it is my fear that some of us use that against them, right? That their whole purpose in trying to stay loyal to the gospel is because they don't want to disappoint us. Or perhaps that we are pressuring them and staying faithful, faithful to the church rather than really working through these things because that's not going to be good enough. It's never going to be good enough, especially in these harder times. We have to utilize the priesthood in order to help these people and pressuring them because of their love for us individually, pressuring them in remaining true to the gospel is just not going to work at the end of the day. It's not going to cut it anymore. Other tactics besides being righteous and righteously using the priesthood are going to fall short and probably be damaging, honestly, in the long run. I have, actually, I have a a ton of friends who no longer associate with the church. And as I've talked with them, I have learned that a lot of them felt like their motivations for remaining true to the church were cultural or fear, right? Those were their motivations. And we can't stand there and scoff at them when we were part of what influenced that for them, right? (laughs) When we are the ones who warned them about how it would look if they didn't come to church or when we were pressuring, pressuring them to come with us, right? We can't stand and scoff at them for them living the gospel because of those motivations when we are the ones who influenced them to do it that way, right? Helping someone approach the church and approach the gospel of Jesus Christ and find their own testimony and find their own lasting conversion will come through persuasion, long suffering, meekness, love unfeigned, all of those things that we find in section 121. It is only through our own pure love that they will better be able to have experiences with their heavenly father, that they will be able to find those testimonies for themselves. Nothing else is going to cut it these days. Third principle, long-suffering. So Heavenly Father is incredibly talented at recognizing our eternal potential and balancing it with acceptance of exactly where we're at, right? Of balancing those two things. Long-suffering is something that contributes to his amazing abilities to balance those two things being long-suffering right because it can be really difficult to look at somebody and know their potential and to see them not living up to it which he does 100 of the time with us (laughs) and so being able to be long-suffering and to suffer long with somebody is so incredibly crucial heavenly father is comfortable with being okay with our shortcomings because he sees this eternal perspective and he's patient with us right No matter how inconvenient it may be for him, (laughs) he's patient with it and he's okay with it, right? He's going to push us to be more, right? Let's not pretend like that's not going to be a thing. But he is okay with us not being perfect. I have my own sharp tongue (laughs) and there have been plenty of times that I've run out of patience or I compare myself, whatever it might be. And Heavenly Father could easily just, I guess, make that not a thing tomorrow, right? He could cut off the temptation. He could give me all the power available from the atonement, right? And just make that not a thing anymore. But he chooses to be long-suffering instead. And it's no different when it comes to doubts and questions. I'm sure in some ways it might seem more convenient for him to just come forward and explain everything, right? Here is the ultimate explanation for everything, right? In fact, here's a vision. You can see what happened and I'll explain all of it, right? In some ways, that might seem more convenient. However, he chooses to be long-suffering. And he chooses to be long-suffering because if we take a step back, we can recognize that our weaknesses, our doubts, and our questions have the ability to help us grow, right? It seems counterintuitive, but that was the whole point of the plan of salvation, right? (laughs) It was to come down here and to struggle so that we could grow to be become like Christ, right? And so Heavenly Father is not going to take these things away. Just like he doesn't take our weaknesses away, he only takes us one step at a time as we continue to remain faithful to him, just one step at a time. It's going to be the same with our doubts and our questions because they're a crucial stepping point for us to grow. When we choose to follow that example of our Heavenly Father, to choose to be long-suffering and patient And to not try to solve everything right in that moment, in that one conversation with them, when we choose to just take it one step at a time, it becomes much easier to let love motivate your actions and your decisions and how you're treating them. Trying to progress too rapidly can push us to try and use those fear tactics because we're just, we're really scared and we just want to solve it right now so that they don't leave the church. If we are able to be more comfortable sitting with their, with their questions and doubts becomes so much easier to let love motivate our individual actions, right? And that is so, 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 so important. (laughs) It's so important to let love motivate our actions because it helps them progress more rapidly. Now, I know that These difficult subjects within the church, these difficult topics, can help us grow. They can be part of our progress. Our the fact that Heavenly Father allowed these things, right? That He allowed weaknesses, and He allowed problems and confusion to just kind of be a part of what we're experiencing here on Earth, was an immense part of the plan of salvation because those are the stepping stones that we take to becoming like him. I also testify that because of the savior and because of his atoning sacrifice, he can bind up the broken heart, right? Because the pain that is associated with some of these topics is deep. It runs extremely deep. Even if it doesn't for you, it is extremely real to other people. And Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ can bind up those broken hearts. And they take things that are broken, because guess what? We're all broken. (laughs) They love broken stuff, let me tell you. (laughs) They take these broken things and they make them stronger than they were before. That is not something that we're used to being associated with here on earth. When something breaks, it usually sacrifices the integrity of whatever it is for the rest of its life but that is not how our Savior and our Heavenly Father works. Things that are broken that come to them only become stronger. I'm grateful for my Heavenly Father that he chose this plan of salvation and he chose to let us struggle. I'm grateful that he, set, that he and his son Jesus Christ set a perfect example for how we can help others find their way through these difficult times as well. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.